<clears throat> so I was, I was back in my hometown this week, and um, some of my friends uh, on staff, Cliff, that was just up here on stage, Cliff got to see Hawk Point, Missouri. He's got pictures. Yeah. All right, you come Tuesday morning to church, you get to see some of those pictures. But the area that I'm in is mostly farming. This is what I grew up with. And uh, if you're eating today, you can probably thank somebody from Missouri, Illinois, Indiana, somewhere uh, up in there. A lot of my high school buddies are farmers. Uh, but farming can be very dangerous. Anybody know that? A lot of equipment, a lot of... Uh, one of my buddies was out with his combine, and uh, he was harvesting wheat. And he got his finger cut, caught in the, the blades, and it, it cut off all four of his fingers. And he went to, to the hospital and they sewed them all back on, just truly a miracle. And he asked the doctor, he said, will I be able to use my hand again? And the doctor said, yes, but I wouldn't count on it. Happy fourth. Did I mention that? <laughs> All right. In the uh, the sports collecting world, and you you guys know I collect uh, baseball cards, and one of the one of the most highly prized things you can get is what's called a one of one. That means there's a particular card in a particular set that they only made one of, okay? Now this is an example of a guy who decided that you know what? This is how I want to live. And so he had it tattooed on his arm that I'm a one of one. I'm special. And sadly, we live in a culture that doesn't understand that. And that's why they're trying so desperately. That's why they're out there being all these crazy things. I watched, uh, I watched one on TikTok, and they're everywhere. Uh, but I watched this couple explain that they identify as birds. That one of them is a cardinal and one of them is a bluebird. And... And listen, my wife was here last night, so I, you know I was honest. I am trying really hard to be less angry and more compassionate about the mess that I see. Because when I see people confused about their sexual identity or about their identity in general, I think, what a shame. They don't realize they're a special gift of God. That's why they have to create all this other world because nobody's told them or they've not believed that they're a special divine gift. Do you know, just look at your fingers. You, you know this if you're in criminal work, but of 8 billion people on the planet and all the people that have ever lived, nobody's ever had your fingerprints. Come on. Accident? Design. That's pretty good stuff, isn't it? Just to mess with you, okay? Anybody know how many lines there are on each of your each of each of your fingerprints? You can check me out. Get your Google out. Sixty-six. Sixty-six on every fingers. Anybody know how many books there are in the Bible? Now, listen, I, I'm not. I can't say that that proves anything. I'm just saying, what are the odds? All right? We are uniquely made. And we should be heartbroken 
And listen, I get it. My default is to get angry with people. But we need to understand these people don't know that they're a special design of God and that God loves them and God has a plan for them. And that's why they create all these alternative ideas about themselves and their sexuality and all this other stuff because they have no purpose and meaning and they're trying to find it. So here's a story. If you know baseball... Ty Cobb, probably the greatest hitter of all time. Ty Cobb was having a conversation with Ted Williams, one of the other greatest hitters of all time. And it's said that when Ty Cobb talked, Ted Williams never said a word. And then later, as we go through time, Ted Williams was the star, and he was speaking to Pete Rose. And when Ted Williams talked, Pete Rose never said a word. They listened. Let me explain this to you. When God speaks, you and I have nothing to say. When we're in the presence of holiness and the majesty of God, we have nothing to say. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2, it said, In the past, God spoke to us in various forms. Prophets, visions, dreams. But God's final word to us. Anybody? Is Jesus. God's final word to all of mankind is Jesus. So God's not looking for you and me to have some new idea and some new vision. Our job is to make sure that people get to know about this Jesus who died for them, who loves them, who knows they're a male or a female, and loves them right where they are. That's what the message is is all about. Now here's the story in Acts 16. So Paul is on the move. He's been planting churches. He's been, been getting persecuted. He's been going through all kinds of stuff. And he's working his way through western Turkey. <clears throat> it's a bunch of countries back then, which you'll see in a minute. <clears throat> but he finally gets to the city of Troy. Anybody know about Troy? Hmm? Ancient Greece, the Iliad. Uh, See, people didn't think, uh, they didn't believe for centuries that there was such a place as Troy. And um, just like most people in our culture today don't believe the Bible. And a guy named Sleeman went and went just went to the spot where Homer said it was. And there it is. So Paul goes back to this ancient city of Troy and while he's there, he has a vision. And that's what we're going to look at today. So if you'll stand with me, out of respect for God's word, we'll tackle this. <clears throat> Paul and his companions traveled through the region. This is all western Turkey. Uh, Phrygia, Galatia. And having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. We'll get to that in a second. When they came to the border of Mycenae, still in Turkey, they tried to enter Bithynia, still in Asia, in Turkey. But the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mycenae and they went on to Troy. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision... We got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. You can be seated. Wow. Okay, so 
Paul's in Troy. By the way, if you go to Troy, you can see uh, really the, the foundations of Troy go back to the beginning of time. You can find the, the actual Troy of the time of Homer, the story of Helen, the face that launched a thousand ships. You can go check all that out. There's a, there's a replica of the Trojan horse that's still there. Uh, it's in that place that Paul has a vision. Now, Paul's got a plan. Paul's plan is to go to these cities in Asia. He's just picking them off one by one by one. And you'll notice Paul always goes to the cities. Very important to notice this. Because Paul knew that if he got to the cities, the cities had the people and the money to reach the countryside. But if you start in the countryside, you're going to have a hard time working in. So he's going to these cities and all of a sudden... God stops him from going. We don't know. We don't know if they had COVID in the city uh, there in, in Asia. It doesn't tell us. It just said the Spirit stopped him one time and Jesus stopped him one time. But we have no idea why God said no. And then why God said yes, it's time to go to Macedonia. But I will help you. Macedonia is around the area of Greece. Okay, We're in Central or Eastern Europe. This is the first time the message of Jesus will go to Europe. Looking around this room, I would say a 99.5% of you are from Europe. So you and I are sitting here today knowing Jesus and having an open door to heaven because Paul crossed over into Europe into Macedonia. But why? We don't know. If you look it up on a map today, it's Albania, it's Greece, it's Macedonia. This is Alexander, the great territory. That's, that's kind of what all is going on here. But what I want you to see is what Paul did right. Paul had a plan. What was his plan? He was going to go to this city in Asia, this city in Asia, and this city in Asia. Did he go to any of them? No. But he had a plan. See, once you have a plan, God can change the plan. But what I find is most Christians don't have a plan. What's your plan? What's your plan to grow deeper this year? What's your plan to help more people come to know Jesus? What's your plan to help Benel? What's your plan to help the children's department? If you don't have a plan, you're guaranteed not to get anywhere. Now, I would guess, even if we have nothing, the poorest person in the room, you've got some kind of a plan. Maybe it's how to pay for groceries. Maybe you're stacking up dimes to figure out how to pay for gas. Maybe you've got a lot of money and you're working on your retirement, but you're planning for that. Are you planning for your spiritual life? Have you planned for eternity? Have you accepted Jesus? That's where it starts. But if you've accepted Jesus... If if you haven't, we'll get to that in a little bit where you can accept Jesus. But if you've accepted Jesus, the question is, then what's your plan? What's your plan to help somebody else find Jesus? What's your plan to teach somebody else? What's your plan to grow in more depth? Paul had a plan. Even though God changed it, Paul was on the move. Most Christians... And most churches have no plan. I was watching a story. I watch a lot of church services. I was watching one the other day, and it, okay, the anger came out. All right, <clears throat> it wasn't. It wasn't sadness. It was anger. They finished the church service, and the song leader said, "Way to go, guys! I'll see you next Sunday." Now I know what he meant. I knew what he meant. We'll hopefully be back here next Sunday. 
But literally the way he said it was, you've done your Christian thing for the week. We'll see you next Sunday and we'll be Christians again. Instead of saying, go out there and change the world. Go out there and change people's eternity. And then we'll see you next Sunday. But that's not how it came out. And that's how most churches operate. If you ask them what is their goal, they'll tell you our goal is to open the door next Sunday. What, we're planting no churches? Are we feeding no kids? You know, the church, I got to say this because I see this dumb stuff on Facebook. Um, that the church only cares about the, um, the baby being born, okay? Um, I'll just let you know that we support, you support pregnancy crisis centers, adoptions. You support foster care. We buy diapers. You buy food for thousands of kids in schools all over about four different counties. I mean, to say that the church only cares about the pre-born child is an absolute lie. You and I are a part of the, an ongoing process to love and care for children and families. We have a plan. And the question is, what's your plan? What is your plan to follow Jesus, to grow more in the word, to be more faithful to God, to serve more in the upcoming year? John Wesley wrote this 300 years ago. He said, anything that cools my love for Christ is of the world. There's a whole lot. It doesn't have to be sin. Anything that cools my love for Christ is of this world. Let's give them a verse to think about here. What do you got? Oh, yes. Isaiah 32, 8. But the noble man makes noble plans, and by noble deeds he stands. Now, you want to spend the rest of your life trying to understand a verse? There's one. The noble man. The noble man or woman, but, you know, just don't get offended, ladies. But the noble person, the person who's locked on to God, makes noble plans. And then with those noble plans does what? Is known for their noble deeds deeds follow the plans the plans follow the character but it all starts with a plan it starts with that plan of i'm going to do what god wants me to do uh kyrie will willis willis football player for the indianapolis colts this is a great story young kid i think he's 26 years old making millions of dollars he told the colts last week he said, yeah, I got to go. I got to go spread the gospel to Jesus Christ. Yeah. Now, I got two thoughts. Number one, I applaud him for his commitment to Jesus. Number two, he was stuck on the Colts. So, you know, <laughs> sorry. Um, no, I mean, but again, that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. This kid took, it, took an evaluation of his life and said, is this what I want to do with my life? Or do I want to go change people's eternity? That's good stuff. So Paul has a plan. God changed the plan. And a lot of times, even if we do plan and God makes a change, we're like, oh gosh, why even bother to make a plan because God's going to change it? No, God can't change anything if you don't have something already in motion. Which is the second part of this, is that Paul was already on the move. As he's going toward the cities is when the Spirit says, no, you're not going there. And again, I don't know if somebody said, listen, there's riots in there. Don't go in there. I don't know if there was a sickness. I don't know if that area wasn't ready to hear the gospel. Or if God just wanted him to get to Europe to get things started. We don't know. 
But I know that he was on the move. He gets to Troy and he has this vision. Now this is what's fun. What did he see? Now the Macedonians dressed very uniquely, so it could have just been a dress. But he hears a voice and the voice says, come over here and help us. Now hang on to that. <clears throat> There's two thoughts on this. Number one, the most obvious person, even though he's been dead for 300 years, the most obvious person that would have screamed, I'm a Macedonian, would have been Alexander the Great. And some people think that's what he saw. The other possibility is Luke, who wrote the book of Acts. Pretty good evidence that Luke was from Macedonia. And that it might have been Luke speaking to him in this vision. But in either case... He said, come and help us. And what was Paul's conclusion to that? I love this. He said, God wants us to go preach the gospel. See, this is the kind of stuff I'm talking about. When Benel says, come and help us, we can give them ravioli and soup and we can buy the kids shoes. But if we don't take Jesus there, have we really helped them? See, that's what Paul was saying when, when they said, come help us. Paul's <coughs> assumption, Paul's assumption was, God wants me to go tell them about Jesus. It, was, it wasn't about that, just a physical need. Listen, right now, our churches in Poland are doing this on a grand scale. There are literally hundreds of thousands of Ukrainians all over Poland. The Polish churches are exploding in growth. Partly Ukrainians that are coming to know Jesus. But a whole lot of Polish people are like, we had no idea this is how the church acts. Because guess who's feeding all of these thousands of people? Our church that we support in West Warsaw is helping thousands of people a day. Providing all their meals, all their clothes, all their medical care. And because they're being the church, God is exploding the church. Because they concluded that not only do we need to meet their physical needs, but as they come, they share Jesus with them. And they ask questions. The kids are asking questions. Why does God allow Vladimir Putin to destroy our country? And they say the same thing a lot of Christians have said throughout history. We don't know that. But we do know about a God who's died for you and has prepared an eternal place for you. And these Ukrainians are coming to Christ. But so are the Polish people because they're watching the church do what the church is supposed to do. How many of you have seen Top Gun Maverick? All right. Are billions of dollars floating out there? Yeah. Uh, there's a great quote in that movie. What's the guy's name? Cruz. Thank you. You know I don't care. But, um, but there's a great quote in the movie where he's, he's showing the pilots uh, what they have to do to pull off this mission. And he says, we know what the plane will do. The question is, what will the man in the box do? Meaning the pilot. So we know what Jesus can do. The question is, what are the people in the seats going to do? 
We know what Jesus is capable of. We know what the word of God is capable of. The question is, will we keep moving? Will you and I say, you know what? Got a plan and I'm going to keep moving to do what God has called me to do. I'm going to keep making noble plans and I'm going to keep moving forward to advance the kingdom of God. Philippians 3 says it this way. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead... I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. How many of you are sinners in the room? All right, a couple of you. Thank you. It's real easy to think I'm not good enough to help. Well, first of all, by helping, you'll learn to get better. Because that will change some of who you are. But if you're saved enough, if you found Jesus and you're saved, I don't care if you're hanging on by your toenails, if you're saved, then you've got what it takes to go help some kids in Bunnell get saved too. Yeah? It's like, oh, I'm not good enough. Well, well, you'll never be good enough. But those kids, we may be the only chance these kids ever get to hear about Jesus. So either we're going to say... I'm going to forget what's behind and I'm going to move forward or we'll live in that past. There's nothing good in your past. There's nothing good in my past. But we have a God who set up the future for us. That's the beauty of Jesus. Now, if you've not accepted Jesus Christ online, you can push that button. I've decided Palm Bay into land. Go see David, Ben here. Come up front. All kinds of, I got to I got to share all kinds of reports. I'm watching our own media reports and none of our media reports agreed. But I will tell you that last week, 25 people gave their lives to Jesus and were baptized here at Tomoka. All right. So that was, that was absolutely awesome. We had them on Tuesday morning and Tuesday night. We had them on Sunday and we had them at the beach. And that's why the numbers are all over the place because nobody had all the numbers. Um, But that's what the church does. We pull people out of this mess. We remind them that they are a one of one. That Jesus especially died for them and he loves them the way they were and he paid the price for them. So Paul had a plan, Paul kept moving, and then we get to the end, and he looked for the open door. Now, if it's me and you, we're probably spitting and carrying on because we didn't get through the door we wanted to get through. But when the door opened for Macedonia, Paul said something like this, well, I guess we go to Macedonia. Later, he's going to say the same thing about the door opening in Rome. Here's what I know about kingdom work. When God opens a door, it usually doesn't stay open very long. Whether it's a country, whether it's a language group, whether it's a neighbor, there's an opportunity when somebody is hurting, they're in need. There's an opportunity where you and I get to step in and we get to say, let me tell you about a God who loves you. And I'll tell you something. I learned the hard way. You only have to have a, have a couple of good friends die and you didn't have the courage to tell them about Jesus before you say, I'm never going to let that happen again. I don't care if they don't like me. I don't care if my family gets mad at me. I'm going to go tell them the story of Jesus. It's up to them what they do with it. That's what Paul decided he was going to do. And he goes into Macedonia. Now listen to me. 
When you read in Chronicles about the men of Ishakar, you probably weren't reading this passage recently. But in 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32, it says the men of Ishakar knew how to interpret the times. You and I don't know when Jesus is coming back, but Jesus said you ought to have a handle on it. Because he said there's two things you can count on. When we get to close to the end, the culture is going to act like Sodom and Gomorrah again. Do I need to help you with that? And it's going to act like the days of Noah again. In Genesis 6.22, it says... That the thoughts and the deeds and the actions of all the people were evil all the time. So are things going to get better or worse? It's going to get worse. And you can expect the dark to stay dark. It's our job to shine the light on as many people as we possibly can. I'll finish with this. Last week out at the beach, and I'm sure you'll see a similar story this week. Last week at the beach, on just Volusia County beaches, 212 people were rescued. Did you see that story? 212. We've got some amazing young men and women out there. Those people are, they, they are in tremendous shape and they know what they're doing. I want you to imagine if you'd have woke up last Monday morning and the headline would have said, 212 people die. On Volusia County beaches. That would have been a tough pill to swallow, wouldn't it? But 212 people that were going to die were rescued because the lifeguards were on duty. Church, do I have to tell you who the lifeguards are? Because tomorrow morning in the paper, we're either going to read about people who stepped into heaven or people who stepped into hell. And you and I are the lifeguards on duty. Father, I pray that we would pay attention, that we would look for the open doors, we would have a plan, and we would keep moving. Even if we don't understand why you've closed certain doors or why you've opened others, that we would nobly plan and move and serve that we would have a plan to grow deeper, wider, become more obedient, help to expand the cause of Christ. Lord, we're grateful for this country. And we pray that you would use us for this one final push to bring people into eternity. In Jesus' name.